Jesus Christ, he is worthy of it today. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. God, I love you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. 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 You may be seated for a moment. I do want to say what a great privilege and an honor it has been and is that my family and I are able to be here with you on this great campground and uh, to be with the great people of the Alaska Yukon District. Uh, you are such an incredible group of people that I believe are totally capable of changing your world, changing your communities, your city. You are able to do the impossible. And I believe God is going to help us and equip us to do that very thing. It is a great privilege to serve with Brother Tony, Brother Armstrong, such great men of God and truly men that care about church planners as well. And really everything Brother Tony said about me, I could ditto about both of them and uh, their great passion to, to start churches, plant churches, and the great example in which they have done. And, uh, you know, Brother Armstrong and I are re really kind of glad about the way this thing has worked out because that way Brother Tony speaks after both of us. And so uh, you won't, uh, uh, you know, you'll... You'll get it after tonight, you know, and you'll realize uh, we are just kind of the, the 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 crumbs, if you will. And uh, I mean, any man that can walk in and and all he has is his sermon and his and his briefcase, and it's so powerful that it affects the church like it did last night. Um, so uh, anyway, at least that's what he told me last night. Amen. Um, I'm just having fun a little bit, but uh, amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Acts. And, of course, I do want to give honor to your leadership. This will be probably my last time to, to really uh, speak to you, but I, I do want to give honor to your outstanding leadership, Brother Parrish, uh, your superintendent, your secretary, Brother Bradbury, all these great board members, these people, these pillars. And uh, I, I just am so honored to be with you this week and to experience, you know, all my life I've heard about the great Alaska Yukon District and to have the great privilege of standing here and speaking to you is just truly a highlight of my life and I appreciate the great, great example that many of you men have made. Of course, the outstanding job that Brother uh, Blackshear and his team with North American Missions is doing. Amen. Amen. We appreciate his leadership so much on North American Missions uh, Committee, and we, we are, are honoring him today as well to say thank you for the great efforts you're doing for church planners across North America. Acts chapter 12, verse number, uh, let's go to, you know what, I needed to open this Bible because I, here we go, let's get to it here, I apologize, I was going to open it while I was doing my remarks and I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. I'm going to read it out of the Bible. So Acts, two, Acts chapter 12, uh, let's look at verse 5. It says this, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light 
shineth in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And yet in verse 10 he said, When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate which leadeth into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, we have already been so impacted by ministry this week. Lord, you have done so many miraculous things in hearts. You've filled people with the Holy Ghost. You've did some incredible things. But I ask, Lord, today that in this session, I ask, Lord, that you would once again speak to every heart and life here, I pray. Help us to take what the Word of God would speak to us and transform us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to experience all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated today. It is hard to believe that 15 years ago uh, that uh, my family and I had the privilege of moving to a great city called Orlando, Florida. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, Just a little city in Florida that just so happens about a million 200,000 people every week visit it, Um, and uh, a great city there, and we had the privilege, I did not start the church there, there was 23 people that voted on us that first uh, day, 23 people, and uh, they voted on us, and we were going to change the world and the city, and of course, we had tremendous revival from that day forth, in fact, uh, within the next three months, we had lost 20 of those 23, uh, you know, the, we had lost 20 people, and yet uh, as a result of that, you, great revival, you know. Okay. You say, man, you must have really been a bad pastor. We had had a bunch of things, and I won't go into all the things that were there, but let's just say that my pastor, Brother Mooney, said to me, he said, Bill, you, you might ought to try to spread 20 years worth of pastoral experience over at least a year instead of dealing with every major sin and chaos that you could in the first three months. And, uh, you know, I, I, I must tell you, I, I felt like it was chaos. And, of course, we, we, we wondered, are we really in the will of God? And is God really wanting to do something great in this place? But yet, when we consider the fact that I, I, I really believe and knew that it was God's way now of bringing about the revival that needed to happen and would come, but yet the soil of which the revival was going to come was not yet prepared and it was not proper and so therefore God needed to do some things and to clean some things out in order for us to experience the great revival that we did experience and the many people that we did see filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and lives transformed and changed. I believe in this era of time in which we live that there is a desire that God has for a last time, in time, harvest of unprecedented proportion 
I believe it is time that the church operate in the supernatural demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, I give you power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me. And I believe that God has given us and is preparing to give us this great opportunity. For you see, I believe we are really one of the most fortunate generations. We experience and see the essence of sin's problem in our world in unprecedented ways. We look at circumstances, but the Bible said where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound and I I know that there are some that feel like you would have liked to have lived during the Apostle Paul era and perhaps have been him but I believe that God must love you and I oh so great because he didn't choose Paul he didn't choose Peter he didn't choose the disciples he said you can start this thing but God has chosen you and I to finish this thing that means that God must have a tremendous level of confidence and belief and trust in you and I because he said there is a beginning but there will be an end time revival that God will bring about in this era of time that I believe we've been preaching about, talking about generations have looked for it but God said I will bring it in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit God chose you God chose me to be here in this time it's time as we were talking about it just a few days ago, and I've made the statement, quoted the statement that Brother Godair made many years ago. If your vision doesn't scare you, you need a new vision. If it's not scary, if it's not just so overwhelming, you see, if it's not a God-sized vision, you need to go back and get a God-sized vision. Because if it doesn't scare you, it's not God-sized. If it's possible, it's not a God-sized vision but if it looks impossible dive in see what God will do I believe we love the supernatural we love the demonstration of the Spirit uh, like never before. Uh, we love to see healing signs and wonders. Uh, we love to talk about the miraculous uh, demonstration of God. But what we don't like to talk about is the ordinary stuff. You know that stuff like cleaning the bathroom. That stuff like working, getting my hands dirty. We love, let's just be honest, we love what we're doing right now. But I don't want to be uh, and bring depression here, but you know what? Monday will come. 
Several years ago, I had the great privilege and honor of, of being one of the speakers at, at a National Youth Congress as I was, I was pastor in Orlando and had the privilege of being one of those speakers. And it was a great thing. We had a great session. The presence of God was there. It was exciting. It was wonderful. And I felt like I was on the top of the world. Got in the plane, flew home Saturday. Sunday morning, came into the church. I didn't even get in the door until somebody told me about one problem. I didn't get to my office until something else had gone. Did you know, Pastor, the air conditioning is out in that Sunday school? Pastor, I would have mowed the lawn, but there wasn't any gas in the lawnmower. Uh, while we were trying to have song service, the mic decided to stop working. Key people playing the music weren't there. It wasn't halfway, I'll be kidding, it wasn't halfway through that service until I was in my mind. They were singing some song, but I had my own song. I had closed my eyes and I was singing. It was a great hymn, Take Me Back. Take me back, dear Lord, to last week where it felt so good. Ordinary stuff hit me in the face. It wasn't enjoyable. All the chaos, the excitement quickly wore off. We don't like the ordinary stuff. We read in the scripture and many times we've read this great story of, of course, Peter getting put into prison and he's there and the church has an all night prayer meeting praying for the supernatural demonstration of God. And we get excited about the great ending of the story where it says that the angel showed up in a supernatural display of, 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 of the power of God. But sometimes there's a story hidden in the details. Because if you read the scripture, you find that there is... Something that the angel does in the middle of all of the great supernatural experience. It's mundane. It's simple. And really, it's where my title is found today. What's he preaching? Turn to somebody and say, he's going to preach about, hey, by the way, put your shoes on. Wait, 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 we're talking about supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Turn to somebody and say, uh, put, put your shoes on. Turn to somebody else and say, don't forget, don't forget, put your shoes on. 
Wow, supernatural just walked out of the room, didn't it? What happened here? I was talking about angels, and now it's put my shoes on. What's put my shoes on got to do with the story. It has everything to do with the story. Because when the angel got through walking through walls, when the angel got through taking care of the little uh, uh, insignificant soldiers that were there supposedly guarding him, the first thing the angel did was show up and say, Peter... Gird thyself. Put your shoes on. Now if it were me, I'll be candid. An angel shows up. You just got here through walking through walls. You put my shoes on. Come on. Put my shoes on for me. I mean, don't you think if the angel can walk through walls, don't you think it's just common sense that the shoes are pretty insignificant? That the garment is simple? I mean, come on, wouldn't that be a great story? Come fold over. But no. The angel of the Lord shows up and says, put your shoes on. In other words, there are some things that God is not going to do. We spend way too much time asking God for things that we can do when God says, if you'll just wake up. And I, and, I, and I know that God does some things. And God is able to do miraculous things and blesses us beyond measure. And He does things I'm capable of doing all the time. But oh, what would happen if our prayers would open up to a new realm of saying, God, I need to pray about things I can't do. Think, oh, come on. Things that only you can do, God. Uh, things the supernatural that only. Because when you, when you read this, you know, it wasn't until I pastored that I understood that, you know, I could have the greatest day of my life and the worst day of my life and it could be the same day. No, but, but, but there was... Prayers happening by the church to set him free supernaturally. And, and, and naturally, they could not bring him out of prison. They could not get him. But no, hey, I'm not going to do what you can do. I'm not going to accomplish. You see, whenever you look at the story like that, you recognize that really the angel needed Peter as much as Peter needed the angel. Because what the angel needed Peter to do was you do what I can't do. You go out and do what I am not. I believe we've got to pray. I believe we've got to fast because certain things come not but by prayer and by fasting. But we better engage in this thing every day of our lives and understand there are some things that God is waiting on his church to get involved and do. There are some things that God is anticipating us to be a part of. And 
I would not for a million years want to embarrass this particular missionary, but had the privilege of visiting him several years ago. And upon talking to him, he was quite distressed. He said, it's been a year and a half since anybody has been baptized. It's been a year and a half or more since anyone has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't know what's going on. We have prayer meeting. We have this. We have that. But he said, I don't know, and I don't really understand. Well, I, I was trying to let him off the hook because I know there are seasons of time that we go through that we have no control over and circumstance seasons of life. They are about a process of season and we can't control that. But I do know that sometimes, sometimes there's something wrong. And it was just a little off the cuff question. How many Bible studies are you teaching right now? Bowed his head and, well, it's been a little while. I said, I'm sorry, I just kind of had to meddle a little more. About how long? Yes. About a year and a half ago, I, I looked at him and I said, sir, I, I don't want to offend you, but I'm going to tell you this. If you don't change drastically, you will be exactly in the same situation you are now. You'll be a year and a half later, only three years into it. Something's got to change. You've got to start getting involved in the harvest process. And the only way you can do that is you have to sow the seed. You have to begin to do... Oh, You see, the truth of the matter is... Harvest is something that will happen and is a supernatural thing. I've heard farmers and they say, we say, I, I raise crops. But to say that I grow crops would be in, it really not right because no farmer has ever grown something of his own accord. All he knows is that if he will plant the seed, if he will nurture the seed, if he will allow the seed, the opportunity and the environment to grow, there is a supernatural process that happens in that. It was a, it's called I, I, something I call the law of the harvest. You say, what, what do you mean law of the harvest? Let's go to Genesis chapter number 8, I believe it is. In Genesis 8 and verse number, let's go to verse number 21. It says this. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said unto the, his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. And then God sets in motion a law. And he says this, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Alaska, you know a little bit about summer, but you know a whole lot about winter. But as long as the earth remains, God said, as long as this thing is around, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. It will happen. It is just simply going to happen. There will be day. There will be night. As long as the earth remains. So therefore, if there is seed 
on the ground. And if there is seed nurtured, something is going to happen with that seed. Harvest will happen. You can't force something to grow. But you've got to sow the seed. My responsibility and your responsibility is, oh, what am I saying today? I'm saying that we better not forget something that's very vital and important. God has a supernatural harvest prepared for each and every one of us and each and every city there. God will bring it to bout. But the only way I can get it to happen is that I've got to get my shoes on. I've got to do the natural and let God show up and do the supernatural. Throwing the seed out, just letting the seed go out, go let, allowing the seed. You, 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 you know, you, you can't force it. It's an intentional process. You know, there, there are times, and, and I'll just be candid, that harvest process, there, there's something about the soil. Soil's got to be ready. If the soil's not ready and not prepared, that's why we have something called plowing before the planter. I love that the prayer ministry has plowing before the planter. And Nam is able to really kind of team up with this where they have teams that will go into places and they will pray and pray against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places and begin to cultivate the soil because I think it's vital that we pray and we pray about people before we talk to people about God. We need to talk to God about those people. And when we ask God, God, you prepare the soil. And I believe that we've been doing that for some time. And I believe there's been some pastors and some saints of God that have been doing that for some time. But it is vital and essential that we get ourselves in the harvest process. Do something. So, you say, well, you know, and let me just get practical here. You say, well... How do I get a Bible study? How do I talk to people? That's, that's something that I, I hear so often. I don't even know how to get a Bible study. Let me tell you how to get a Bible study. The first thing is you've got to have friends that are lost. I've got to create environment. My, my wife and I, when we're in Orlando and same time, my, my, my oldest daughter was about in the middle school, and, and uh, we, we wanted her, the school that she was zoned for, it just would not have been a good experience. We were very, uh, really concerned about that place. And so uh, my wife said, you know, I'm a teacher. I can go back to, to work, and we can, uh, we can really invest in our, our kids' future that way. And so my wife went and taught school. Well, it was amazing how quickly I understood that I, I had been somewhat disconnected from my community. Because our church had grown to the point where, you know, we averaged about one, about 186 or so. And, and God had blessed us. But, you know, it, it was just we'd kind of gotten out of touch. I, I'd become inward. Wasn't teaching 10 Bible studies a week like I had at the beginning. And therefore, not as many people were coming in as, I mean, I'm just being candid. My wife went to teach. And she developed a relationship with some teachers in the school. And it was, it was a, a, a motley crew. I mean, there was, 
don't know how much I should say with my kids around, but I mean, there was one teacher that was a lesbian. There was one teacher, I mean, I don't know. They, I mean, there was a group of them that were borderline. I mean, they, alcohol was their focus. And, and, but but they, they began to like us. To the point where we've been gone five years and my wife still communicates to some of them. And, and they ask, when are you coming to Orlando? We want to get, in fact, one of them's wanting to fly up to St. Louis to see us. Well, I'm apostolic. You know, I've got a certain identity here, and nobody else is going to like me because of that identity, and nobody else is going to want to be a. a <laughs> Take the lid off that concept. You may be different, but have you seen what's out there? Don't let the enemy try to rob you and tell you you're so different. Nobody will like you. Wake up. Look what's out there. And we developed a relationship and friendship with some of these people. And it was, it was unbelievable. There was a point where we got to a place where, um, in fact, I think maybe it was the last year we were there. We had a row or two of teachers and their spouses at our Christmas program. And, and it, was, it was humorous because they were all hanging out. They said, one of them came to me and said, I, you got to do all that pastor stuff. When, when you're finished, can we all want to go out to eat? Sure. I thought, I'm going to buy their meal. Now, that was a weird deal. I was kind of thankful that they had the bar experience before we got there. And came to a table after we got there. But the truth was, they wanted to be around us because they were, they wanted, they felt something. They, they knew something. One of them had a, a situation with their brother that was very ill. And they, they, both, they came to us saying, we need you to pray. I'm telling you, if we want to win people, we've got to have friends that are lost. And that doesn't mean you have to go out drinking with them. But I tell you, what it does mean is uh, if you'll just take an opportunity to simply sow some seed uh, and let people experience uh, the power and the demonstration, the greatest witness you have is the testimony in which God has given to you and your family. Uh, look what the Lord has done. Uh, he healed my body. He touched my mind. Uh, he saved me just in time. Got to go plant the soil, plant, sow, sow into people's lives. You know, I heard one person say this. It's pretty easy in just a 15-minute or 10-minute conversation. Just start conversations with people. And if you'll ask enough questions, eventually you're going to figure out something very vital. You need to come to the understanding, and hopefully in about a 10-minute conversation you can do this with anybody. Figure out whether they are open up to the move of the Spirit. Ask them questions. Where are you from? What are you doing? You'll find out, well, my dad was a preacher, or my... 
nephew is sick or you know you're going to figure something out and when you just get that cue that that person is open to the move of the spirit then the next thing you need to figure out is this you need to figure out if that person is willing to allow Jesus Christ to change what they care about And the minute you find that out, that they're willing for a change, you just open up to a great opportunity to give them an answer of that change. Demonstrating the power and the grace and the great word of God in someone's life. It's just that easy. Open up to opportunities. If somebody doesn't want it, move on. Get somebody because you can't tell me there is not a group of people in your village, in your city, in your place that would want to be and experience what you have and what we are feeling right now. I promise you they're there. We just need to come in contact with those people. I know this is simple stuff, but yet it's, it's simple enough to work. You know, Brother, Brother State and Brother Jerry State and one of our Metro missionaries, and I'm thankful for United Pentecostal Church. I'm thankful for some of you who, who help us support Metro cities and, and, and some of these places. And I, I know we need to, we're all in this thing together, are we not? And it's astounding to me that, you know, these metropolitan areas, I mean, can you imagine that half of the United States and Canada's population live in 30 metropolitan areas of the U.S. and Canada? 150, or nearly half, 43%, I believe, it's 150 million people live in 30 cities. That's, that's pretty astounding. Thank God for Metro Mission. 70% of the Metro Missionaries UPCI has sent out and gone to these cities have successfully planted United Pentecostal churches. And as a result of them, we have, out of the 24 that have done it, we have 50 United Pentecostal churches today in cities that were not there previously to that ministry beginning. Thank God. Jerry Staten is one of those men. He just has that ability. He just, he just loves people. But, but it is so fun to watch Brother Staten work and operate. And I've had the privilege of being with him in, in D.C. He's a Metro missionary to, to D.C. Just about, uh, uh, well, it's almost 10 years ago, Brother Staten went into D.C. And there was no United Pentecostal Church within the Beltway, which is the large interstate that circles D.C. We had no United Pentecostal Church there. Today, we not only have his church, we have the two daughter works that he now has, and additionally, two autonomous works that are out of that church that are doing wonderful additionally. So now we have five churches that are there as a result of this great metro missionary but one of the things I've learned from Brother Staten is this and I, I've teased him and, and, and he, he, is, he is incredible and I, I'm not meaning any disrespect but, but I, I, I've teased him and I said you know sometimes you're, you're not just ADD you're ADDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDDD
What's intriguing is this, is that Brother Staten would schedule us to speak at a particular Bible study group or something. And man, whenever he's on the phone, he's like, oh, this is incredible. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You will not believe it. It is unbelievable. We've got all kinds of great stuff happening. And I mean, we're all excited to be at this particular Bible study group. I mean, I've been on the schedule to speak and teach at these Bible study groups a couple of times. And then a few weeks later when I get there, I'll say, are we still going to that Bible study group? Oh, no, we're not doing that anymore. What? No, no, that, that one kind of feels like we got this one over here going. And the first time I'm like, man, I mean, I can't even get here fast enough. But after a couple of times of that, I started rec- recognizing there was a pattern to this thing. And what he had understood and what Brother Haney even preached about many, many years ago, even wrote a book about it, that wave. If the wave is moving, you better get on it. But when the wave stops, get off it. What we're good at, if we're not careful, folks, and I believe that we need to keep and keep every door we can possibly keep open to the lost. If I've ever had a contact, I need to maintain that contact some way. But you know what I can't do? I can't waste my time on people who do not want this thing. Because there is enough people out there that haven't even figured out we're there. And so I have to keep moving, keep finding. I've got to find somebody that's hungry for this thing. You know, Bob Betcher, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Jack, uh, Jack uh, Yance's son-in-law, who now pastors the great church there in, in, in Chicago there that Brother Yance uh, started after he left North American Missions. And uh, Brother Bob Betcher, great man, he, he used to sell insurance. And he told me this. He said, you know, he said, my first time going when they were training me to sell insurance, he said, they said this. They said to me about selling insurance, here is the key. A hundred calls a week. 15 appointments, 5 sales, 2 of them being whole life. In 5 years, you'll be making 6 figures. What? They said if you'll make 100 phone calls a week, cold calls, if you'll just get 15 appointments, if you'll just have 5 sales and 2 of them be whole life, in 5 years, you'll be making five fig- or 6 figures. And he said, I just had the audacity to believe them. And he said, I can tell you they were right. Now, you know what? I think, and let me me just clarify this for a moment. We need to be careful. I believe wholeheartedly that we need to have processes, repeated processes. We need to do those things. We need to figure out what works, and we need to do it. But I also let me preface this by saying this. We need to make sure that we are following after the Spirit of God, too. Not just making 100 phone calls. Not just this, this, and this, where it becomes nothing but a process. We have to have a move of God. And that's where that wave comes. I need to learn how to sow. 
I need to learn how to take care of the crops, make sure they're nurtured right. I need to make sure that I do that and I do that right. But I need to make sure that I'm doing it under the understanding that God is going to have to step in here and He's going to have to do the supernatural work that only He can do. I feel like today the angel's showing up and He's saying, you know what, I'm here to turn somebody loose out of prison. I'm here to take, but somebody here, He's looking at and saying why don't you put your shoes on you see the truth of the matter is God always needs us God said he didn't say all right let's just turn the water to wine now no big deal Ever, I mean, he could have easily put it in everybody's glasses. What's easier, water to wine or just fill everybody's glasses? But he said, go get some pots. Fill them with water. What, what are you doing? Put my shoes on. I, I'm doing what I can do. I'm doing what God spoke to me and told me to do. I'm just doing the process. I'm just going through. Oh, I'm talking to somebody here today. You feel like you're insignificant. You feel like nothing's working, nothing's happening. You know what? Let's go back to the basics. I've got to sow. Why, why will sowing work? Why will it? Well, because there was a law in Genesis chapter 8 at the very beginning. As long as the earth remains. At, Never seen a farmer on the side of the road going, grow! Come on, baby, grow! Why did Jesus refer to fishing and planting? Because everybody knew that knew that it was about. I mean, have you ever seen a fisherman? I mean, it doesn't help. I mean, I've seen them. Come on, fishy. Come on. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I, we, I hated red lights. When I was a kid. I still hate red lights. But anyway... As a kid, I, for some stupid reason, I mean, ridiculous, I used to sit there and go, come on, red light, get green. Come on, red light, get green. Come on, red light, get green. Come on, red light. I mean, it was like, go, 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 go. And all of a sudden, you know what? Every single time. Yes, it worked. Had absolutely nothing to do with what I was saying, but everything to do with the fact that it was just a simple process. It was going to happen. Can I tell you, there is a law of the harvest that God instituted from the very beginning. It's going to happen. But I got to put seed in the right ground. I got to protect the soil. There has never been a farmer that is packed up after a season of drought and said farming doesn't work. Droughts are seasons too. 
He just says, you know, we had too little rain this year. Man, it's been a rough year. We'll have to tighten our belts a little bit, but you know what? We'll get them next year. We'll get them next season. Why? Because this thing works. Never seen him packing his bag saying, you know what? We had too much rain this year. Farming doesn't work. And by the way, while I'm on that, I've never seen a fisherman quit fishing because he didn't catch a fish. No, he just walks away and says, we'll get them next day, boys. Everything will be fine. Why? Because I know they're out there. I just got to put my hook in the water. I just got, if my hook's not in the water, I'm not going to catch fish. If the seed's not in the ground, I'm not going to grow anything. But I'm telling somebody, it's there. It's about simply getting your shoes on. He could have fed the masses, but he chose to simply say, give me the little lad and let me have a little five loaves and two fish. I don't need the fish, and he didn't need the loaves. But the reality was he wanted somebody to get involved in the process. And so as a result, he said, you know, the five loaves and two fish, that's barely going to feed the young man. But you put it in my hands, and your hand with my hand. We're going to feed the thousands. Oh, I wish somebody today would step on out put your garment on put your shoes on would you stand with me right now Lazarus is dead yeah but boys why don't you go roll the stone away now, which is easier, rolling stones away or raising the dead? Come on, if it was me and it was, I was God, I mean, it would have been a bigger show. Let's just be honest. Stand back. <laughs> and that stone flew into the galaxies. Didn't do that. He just said, "Hey guys, go go do what you can do. <laughs> you, you do what you have the ability to do because if if you'll do what you have the ability to do, well, some of you are saying, well, I, I don't have the ability. Oh no, no, wait, no, don't even go there." Because a guy by the name of Moses went there one day and said, "You want me to go talk to Pharaoh?" I mean, how in the world? I mean, you know, the truth of Pharaoh said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. But God says to Moses, you know what, Moses, why don't you look down and see something that is in your hand? I've already put something in your hand. 
And the problem was Moses was so small-minded in his thinking, he didn't understand that the rod within his hand was going to contain the miraculous miracle. All it was to that time was something that he could be simply sustained and carried and made sure that he was stable. But, oh, God was going to say that day, Moses, I can take anything. And, by the way, if you'll just wake up and understand, I've already put the ability and the power in the palm of your hand. What's in your hand, Moses? Throw it down, Moses. Later, Moses, stretch it out, Moses. I've already put it in your hand. And I believe within our hands today already is the power and the anointing and the virtue of God and the ability to reach Alaska Yukon. It is here if it is said these 12, they are they are 11 that turn the world upside down. There is several hundred in this building today that can say, I know there is something in my hand. And so our altar call will be quite different today because I ask us today to make an altar call decision today as we make our way. And I'm going to ask us to come in a way that in a symbolic way saying, God, all right, as I come, I'm putting my garment on, I'm putting the shoes on, and I'm going to let you do the miraculous in the midst. And in the process of doing that, I want us to come, and I want us to come with three to five names in our minds of people that we want the Lord to reach. I'm talking about real faces, real names of people that we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to go sew. I'm going to go put my shoes on. I'm going to go develop a relationship with them. I'm going to go try because, Lord, I need you to do the supernatural. I need you to do what I cannot do and what would happen. You know what? This place would be three times the crowd next year if we all did that and walked out of here saying, oh, it is not by might it is not by power but it is by his spirit oh but I've got to get in the process altars are open I'm asking you to come I'm asking you to come and say Lord here I am I am putting my shoes on I'm getting in the field for the harvest